Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, December the 4th, 2022. It is currently 9.13 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, how was your Sunday? How was Sunday school? How was the Sunday morning worship service? How was the Sunday evening worship service? Did you learn a lot? Were you challenged? Do you understand the word of God better than you did before you went to church today? How did church go this Sunday? I know you have heard a lot of sermons today. You've heard a lot of teaching. Hopefully, you've had a lot to think about, to meditate on, a lot to process. Hopefully, you've had good conversations about it. Maybe you even had some extra time today to do some some reading of Scripture. And and whatever you've done today, spiritually speaking, I hope it's been a good day. I hope it's been challenging. I hope it's been beneficial. And there's, there's a part of me that always feels somewhat bad because, and what do I mean by that is because I know Sunday is an important day of learning, an important day of spiritual edification. So sometimes on Sundays, I mean, typically, I mean, sometimes I do it on a Saturday, but typically it's Sunday afternoon. I turn on the microphone kind of right in the middle of all of that and say, all right, guys, welcome to another week of Bible study. And sometimes I feel bad because it's almost like I'm just ignoring all the things that you have learned and all the things that you have done. And and trust me, I'm not in any way telling you to to ignore that or to forget that because obviously I've been doing teaching today as well, right? We've been te- we've been studying the proper distinction between law and gospel today, 3 plus hours on that. So I don't want anyone to obviously forget that teaching at my church or or anyone who listens to that online. But the reality is every day we need to be feeding upon God's word every day. So and 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 sometimes I even struggle with that because on one hand, it's like, well, everything you learned on Sunday, in theory, if you spent the rest of the week meditating on and contemplating and thinking about, it probably would even be of greater value. I know that. But at the same time, um, I hope that the Bible study, I, I guess I'm, tr- I guess what I'm struggling with is what, where's the balance? Where, where, how do we balance it all out? Right? Because we have so much spiritual food available to us. How do we balance it out? Right? How do we make sure we get the most out of the sermon on Sunday that we don't turn around and forget it on Monday? And, and I, I don't know if I ever will have the proper balance in anyone's life. I don't know. So I, I guess, I, I, am I contributing to that problem? I don't know. All I know is this. God's word is profitable for doctrine, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of, man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And it is through the word of God that we're no longer tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. It's the word of God that equips us. It's the word of God that feeds us. It's the, it's the word of God that, and that helps us understand we need the word of God. So all I can do is continue to put as much teaching and content out there and hopefully I don't know how people are to balance it all out, but hopefully whatever I can put out there will be helpful and beneficial. Yes, I'm having a, um, 
a mental crisis trying to just understand that because I, and maybe, maybe it typically doesn't hit me because it's right in the midst of typically Sunday afternoon, man. I, I've been teaching in the morning. I've got, I got teaching in the evening and I'm just focused on getting another episode done. But now when it's Sunday evening, like, oh, you know, nine after 9 PM central time, now it, now it just feels a little bit like, wait, maybe, maybe at this moment in time, we shouldn't do any more teaching. Maybe we should just focus on all the stuff and be thankful for all the stuff that we've received today. So maybe I'm having a crisis because of the time. I don't know, but clearly you're not here to tune in to, to, for that. Here's what I wanted to say. Welcome, everyone, to a new week of Bible study. That's what I really wanted to say, but I do want you to contemplate how to balance all of that out because I don't have a, a, a good answer, but I think it is something for us to consider, all right? But for now, welcome to week number two and our study on the subject of fear. Week number one, the passage of Scripture, the key passage of Scripture was Psalm chapter 33. Specifically, Psalm chapter 33, I'm going to mark where we're going to be this week, but our the key verse was Psalm chapter 33, and it was verse 8. Psalm chapter 33, verse 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And really what our focus was as far as Psalm 33 was concerned is what is the prerequisite? What are the prerequisites? To, it's one thing to tell everyone to fear God, but what are the prerequisites so that we can fear God? What is necessary before we can actually have the right fear of God. And we believe Psalm 33, 6 to 22, gave those prerequisites. I'm not going to repeat them because we repeated them all week. If, if you were here in front of me, I would make you then, I would grab, have a, I would make you grab a piece of paper and fill out what are the prerequisites of fearing God properly. And because you should have them memorized by now, because we've covered them so many times. But the passage of scripture for this week was Psalm 33. This coming week, starting today, right? So I should say last week, this week, we're going to start at, we're going to have another passage of scripture to look at, and we'll introduce that in a minute. But all of last week was Psalm 33 and the prerequisites of, for fearing God properly. And the second major thing that this last week was about was creating your six questions about fear that you want to ask the scriptures for an answer for. And um, we will we will be uh, getting a PDF file probably tomorrow. And I will um, I will post it and it will have every uh, all of the different questions that people have submitted. But each person was to create six questions and to ask the scriptures these questions and then for them to start working on finding an answer. So you're still supposed to be working. It's a modified thematic method of Bible study that we gave everyone to do this week. So our last week, I keep, it's it's Sunday night. So it doesn't feel like it's the beginning of the new week, but it technically is, all right? So last week, Psalm 33 and the beginning stages of your modified thematic method of Bible study. That is what you were to be focusing on. I really, really, really wished that the Psalm 33 would have sparked far more discussion. I, I'm, I am a little, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit concerned 
that it didn't. Um, I really thought, I mean, again, sometimes I never know. I do a broadcast and all of a sudden everyone's talking about it. And I'm like, why? Why that subject? But I really thought Psalm 33 should have sparked a lot. So I hope you don't forget Psalm 33 and you'll continue to look at it. Because I think it really lays down the prerequisite for fearing God properly. All right. Now, that was all last week. Starting this week, we will not be in the Old Testament. We will be in the New Testament. And all of this week, it's going to be Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And your text for this week of Bible study exercise will be Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. And really, the theme, the curriculum is offering up for this week is security in place of fear. So last week was really the prerequisites of fearing God properly. This week is going to be, what do we replace the wrong kind of fear with? Last week was the prerequisite so that we would have the right kind of fear. This week is, what do we replace the wrong kind of fear with? And it's security in place of the wrong kind of fear right? That's very important. And it's going to be Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. Now, if you know anything about Romans 8, 28 to 39, wow, you talk about a section of scripture where we could spend years on it. Literally, I would have to go back to our series on the book of Romans and see how many sermons I did on Romans chapter 8. But let me tell you, it was quite a few. Uh, so, but we, we're not going to be able to dive into every one of those little theological issues. We're not going to be able to exe- exegete the entire passage. We're not going to be able to do that. We're not going to be able to do exegesis and, and, t- and tear it all apart and expound it. All we're going to be able to do really this week, we're going to, we just have till next Saturday. We're just going to be able to really kind of just say, here's Romans 8, and I want you to consider What's in Romans 8, 28 to 39, and what it suggests, hey, replace your wrong kind of fear with this. You've already got the now the prerequisites for the right kind of fear. Now, what do you replace the wrong kind of fear with? And they're saying security in the place of fear. That gives you an idea of what they're going to focus on, right? Now, remember the curriculum, please, if you did not read the curriculum for Psalm 33, Please go back and do that. And if you, and please this week, read the curriculum for Romans chapter eight. Please, please look at the curriculum. Now, if you're listening and you're brand new, you don't, you don't know how the Bible study exercise works. Remember, we do all of the podcast episodes. I do some teaching. I give you lots of assignments. Sometimes I teach like I don't have a clue what's going on to try to get you involved for you to figure out what's going on. And then there is curriculum to supplement what we do. It's free. All you have to do is email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Say, I would like the curriculum. We send you a link. It's that simple. It's free for you. We pay the money to make it available So please utilize it, okay? Please utilize it. So let's do this this evening. Oh, this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard. I have to read Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39, simply to introduce it, but without going full-blown exegesis and full-blown trying to expound it. I've got to try, 
Oh, man, you talk about a difficult job. Here we go. Romans chapter 8, let's start in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to say stop right there, but we I will just at least say this. So I'm supposed to just read straight through it. I can't do it. All right, here we go. I am painfully aware that this verse raises about 9 million philosophical questions. This verse raises so many problems, so many issues, it's not funny. I am typically more blown away and baffled how preachers preach this and everybody in the congregation is just like, amen, this is wonderful. Amen, this is great. And and you don't hear, wait, 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 wait. I've got 900 questions. Wait, this doesn't make any sense. I've got problems. I'm confused. Help me. I I, I am sometimes baffled how Christ, how pastors can preach these passages of scripture that should raise a million questions and nobody seems to have any questions. Nobody seems to have any struggles. Everyone thinks it just makes sense. Everyone says, amen, like it's the most beautiful thing in the world. And people are like, wait a minute. So all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All right, I've got questions. All right. So just, just, I'm aware of that. We won't get into all the questions. Just, I understand. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and whom he did predestinate, he also called and whom he called, he also justified and whom he justified, then he, them, he also glorified. Wow. Verse 29 and 30. I mean, we're right there in the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of election. Obviously, it's not a problem for me coming up, holding to a reformed perspective. The, the, this passage is greatly difficult for those who don't. They act like there's no problem and they try to act like it's simple and it's easy and it. And they, they give you the most simplistic answer and they're like, that, that should work. And then everyone's like, amen, that answers all the questions about election. And you're like, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. And they try to act like, I don't have a problem with election. And then they do everything they can to explain it away. It's, 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 it's pretty humorous, but that's some serious stuff right there. But I did find this somewhat interesting. Now, if you really paid attention to Psalm 33, you, you remember our last discussion, right? All right, so we, this is this week two, studying the subject of fear. Week one, the prerequisites for f- fear. Week two, what we kind of look to to replace, that we put in place of the wrong kind of fear. And But in, in week two, we're clearly confronted face on, head to head with the doctrine of election and predestination. But do you remember in Psalm 33, Remember one of the things I said, that one of the prerequisites for fear, is it possible that, look at verse 12, Psalm 33, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We talked about how people mishandle that and misapply it, but notice the the nation whose God is the Lord, that nation, God is not their Lord because they did something, because they voted the right way or they did the right thing. No, 
and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The reason this nation, God is their Lord, is because he chose them. Specifically, this is referencing to Israel. So I said, is it possible that one of the prerequisites to truly fear God properly is to accept, acknowledge, and believe God's divine election of Israel and God's divine election of us and salvation. I think when we see God as the one who elects us, it's all of God. Salvation is all because of God's electing, because of his electing mercy and grace. I think that leads to perceiving God with reverence, respect, and awe. I find it interesting that the concept shows up in Psalm 33, and then this week we're confronted with the subject again in Romans chapter 8. Let me read it to you again. For whom he did foreknow. Well, this can't be he foreknows everyone in the sense that he is omniscient. He, because of his omniscience, he knows everyone. He's, he, he's all-knowing. This is, he knows them, these is a special people he knows in a special way. Because those he foreknew, right, or he for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. He, he knows them, and then he predestines. He determines beforehand something about this people. He foreknows them. He predestinates them. Look what he does. Um, uh, for those he foreknows, he predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He foreknows and he predestines something about them, that they'll be conformed to the image of his son. And notice how it works. Look. Here, here's kind of the, the golden chain that we should never forget. All right. Those he predestinates, that predetermined beforehand, he does it. It's not, he doesn't predetermine what we do based off what we do. That, that's, that's us doing it. It's some weird, weird way Christians try to get out of this. No, 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 no. He predestinates, he elects us based off what we do then we're the one doing the electing. No, it's God doing it all. He elects, he foreknows, he predestines. It's a work of God. It's not based off what we do. All right, now please note, for those whom he predestinates, he calls. Now this has to be a different call than calling everyone because those he calls, he justifies. And those he justifies, he glorifies. This is all the work of God, which makes sense. If God works everything out, he foreknows, he predestines, he calls, he justifies, and he glorifies, means God is totally in charge, totally in control from the beginning to the end, especially, obviously, clearly in this context, your salvation. So immediately... You, uh, we can see where this is going. We can't fear, especially anything related to our salvation, because God is the one who causes it to happen. He is the author, and he's the one who will finish it. All the way from eternity past and foreknowing, electing, predestinating, all the way to glorification. And listen, for all things to work together for good... Clearly, God has to be sovereign. 
Look, you can't have, no, 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 no. We can do this. We, that, you destroy the sovereignty of God, then all things can't work together for good. All things can only work together for good because God is in charge and he works all things according to his good pleasure and will. I mean, this, this is just, I think, pretty straightforward. All right, but let's continue reading. Remember, I'm not supposed to be doing exegesis or exegeting this. I'm just supposed to be reading. And then look at verse 31. What shall we say? What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, all the way from predestination to glorification, then what can possibly be against us? What can stand against us? What Nothing can change this. Nothing can destroy this. Nothing can thwart this. No, nothing can overcome this. Which go back to Psalm 33. What are the prerequisites to fearing God? We have to see his sovereignty. We have to see his supremacy. Remember we talked about this? We have to see him as creator. We have to understand his sovereign election, his divine election of Israel and of us. We talked about all of these. We have to understand his omniscience. Now, now that's the prerequisite. And now once we get that, we get the fear of God. And now we replace the wrong kind of fear with the security that comes in understanding. Well, he's sovereign. He works. He's working in and through everything. He foreknows. He predestines. He, he calls. He justifies. He glorifies. Goes on to say in verse 22, he that spared not his own son, but delivereth him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, the giving us all things are all things pertaining to salvation. Clearly what this is a reference to. The whole concept here is about salvation. So when it says all things work together for good, the good there, I think, is primarily focused on our salvation. It, this, that God works through all things for our salvation. That's the ultimate good. I think people look at it like, oh, my car broke down. All things work together for good. I think this is referring to all things work together for good in regards to salvation from foreknowledge to glorification. This is, this is, this is all dealing with our salvation. And so look at verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who, who can come to those whom God elected and throw any charge or any accusation against them? You can't throw anything at them. And why? Because the very next line, it is God that justifies. God is the one who does it all. He foreknows and then he does, he works everything out for that person's salvation. And he doesn't withhold anything pertaining to their salvation. He gives them righteousness. He's the one who gives us faith. He's the one who gives us repentance. He is the one who seals us with the spirit to the day of redemption. He does everything. And because he does everything, then we can replace the wrong kind of fear with complete security. Not security in what we can do, but security and what God has done in salvation. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us? Who can condemn the elect? Who can lay anything at the, at the feet of the elect? Now listen, 
Those who are elect, those who are saved, yes, you can, you're going to see sin in their life. You're going to say, you sin here, you, fa- you, you sin here, you sin here, you're a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, you can throw all the condemnation you want, but it doesn't do anything. It doesn't impact anything because God is the one who justifies. Because God, everything they need for their salvation, he provides. He provides the righteousness. He provides the obedience. He provides the forgiveness of sins. He provides everything. All things work together for good in salvation. That's the primary focus here. Um, it goes on to say, verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, people will quote this. I'm more than a conqueror. I can overcome this problem and I can overcome this problem and I can overcome this problem. That's a misrendering of the text. We take all things work together for good and we make it about like, I don't know. Hey, my house burned down. All things work together for good. I'll get a better house. Whatever craziness that people come up with. No, all things work together for good. And salvation for those whom he has foreknown and he predestinated. He will work all things for their salvation. He's going to give them all the things they need in their salvation. No one can lay anything. No one can uh, accuse the elect of anything because God is the one who justifies. He's going to give us everything we need. And guess what? In him, we are more than a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror in our salvation, and our salvation, as it is written, uh, let me read that again. Um, Nay, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In other words, in Christ, through him, we are more than a conqueror. Doesn't mean like in some practical way that I can overcome every problem and difficulty. Means I'm more than a conqueror because nothing Nothing can separate me from the love of God. I'm a conqueror because nothing can separate me from the love of God. Death, persecution, pain, disease, it doesn't matter of God. Okay, nothing. Uh, we're having some internet connections. So that, that I'm going to make sure I try to wrap this up. We're having some internet connection issues. That makes me very nervous. All right, but we're going to finish this. All right, we're going to finish this. Th- that's how I'm more than a conqueror. So listen, all things work together for good in our salvation. He provides all things related to our salvation. No one can lay, no one can accuse us of anything because we have everything we need for salvation in Christ. He justifies and we are more than conquerors. And so as far as it relates to our salvation, Nothing can destroy, separate me from God. Nothing can destroy my salvation. Nothing can take away my security as a believer because I'm completely secure in him because of his finished work. He st- he starts it all the way. He started it all the way in eternity past with foreknowledge and election, and he will finish it completely in glorification. That is how we are to understand it. So what do we do? All of our fears... And all of our concerns are to be replaced with the security of our salvation in Christ. A lot of people try to take some of these promises and apply them to 
well, God won't do this, or this won't happen in my life, or he's going to fix this. No, this is dealing all, all of this. The focus here is on salvation. Now, you say, what is your homework this week? Read Romans 8, 28 to 39, read it and read it and read it and consider all of that and how that is to replace the wrong kind of fear. There you go. Just read Romans 8, 28 to 39 over and over and over and over and just think about how these things are to help replace the wrong kind of fear. Number two, read the curriculum and then here's the big assignment. Number three, here's the big assignment for the week. I want you to identify the elements of the wrong kind of fear. I want you to identify the elements of the wrong kind of fear. When is fear when does fear become wrong? When when does fear become in a sense sinful or wrong or damaging or hurtful? Identify the wrong kind of fear. This passage is what you're going to replace the wrong kind of fear with. I want you to grab onto that, but I want to make sure you we can identify the wrong a- aspects of fear so that, guess what? You can replace it with what you see in Romans 8, 28 to 39. Now, I, know, I told you I wasn't going to exegete it. <laughs> I wasn't going to expound it. I kind of walked our way through it. But I, 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 my goal was just to read it. It really was. I know. I apologize. But there you have it. There is the, the introduction to a new week of Bible study. Last week was Psalm 33, giving us the prerequisites for fear. This week is Romans 8, 28 to 39, giving us what we are to replace the wrong kind of fear with. And clearly, you're getting a hint that we're to place the wrong kind of fear with an absolute security, confidence that everything related to our salvation from eternity past to eternity future has been taken care of by God. And all things work together for good in relationship to our salvation. He will provide us all things in relationship to our salvation. We are more than conquerors in relationship to our salvation. There you go. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Ask all the questions that come to your mind right now. Let me know. There you go. I know I started off by (laughs) trying to figure out how, how do we find the proper balance in the Christian life? I don't know if there's ever a proper balance, but... Uh, you can, if you have any thoughts on that, share that as well. That was just that was just added free. That was free. Your assignment's pretty simple. Read Romans 8, 28, 39. Just look at it, read it, read it, read it, read it, and see the things you're supposed to replace the bad fear with. Look at the curriculum, and then I want you to just write out and identify the wrong kind of fear and use scripture if you can. All right. Everyone have a wonderful night. And uh, this coming week, it's going to be crazy for me. It's going to be a crazy week, okay? Because um, we're fast approaching this week, what we call the holiday extravaganza. Family comes in from different states. And here's what we're going to do. I believe Friday, we celebrate Thanksgiving. Saturday, we celebrate Christmas. 
And Sunday, next Sunday, we celebrate New Year's Eve. You're like, what kind of nonsense is that? Well, this is just when everyone can show up. So we celebrate all three holidays right there. Now, yes, I'll still celebrate the incarnation and the birth of Christ um, on December the 25th. I mean, we'll, our church will have Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. We don't cancel anything. We don't do anything. We just have church as normal to, to remember the incarnation. But um, so this week is going to be – it's. Um, we we have a lot of preparing for all of that, but I will do as many live broadcasts as I can between now and then. But once Friday gets here, Friday, Saturday, you'll get the live streams on Sunday. You won't get anything else until Monday. So um, we'll see what we can do. So uh, a lot of this week, the Bible study exercise is going to fall on you. So please, 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 please. I know it's going to be busy for you. We're, we're, this is the dangerous part trying to do this study uh, this time of year. But I, I want to at least put it out there so it's available to everyone. All right, I'll stop right there. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.